It's December 28th, which means a couple things. It means that it's my anniversary, so let me get that shout out first. Uh, wherever Christy is, it's, I think, 12 years? Yeah, 12 years. I should know that. In fact, hold on, I, I need to write that down quick. Um, yeah, so we, we'll celebrate that today. Um, but December 28th also marks kind of this, we're right in between these two holidays. We've got uh, Christmas on our left and New Year's on our right. And I think what happens naturally this time of year is probably a lot of us in the room are counting something in life. It's just, it's just the time of year when we count things. For instance, if you're a kid, you're counting presents. That, that you got or didn't get or whatever, you know, if you're naughty or nice or whatever, or, you know, maybe you're just falling asleep, like instead of counting sheep, you're just like holding all your presents and just counting them and loving Christmas and it's so fun as a kid. And if you're a parent, you're counting as well. You're counting the cost of those presents. You're counting uh, how much it costs to buy that stuff, but you're also probably counting the presents that you know have already been thrown to the wayside and you're like, I paid $20 for that and it's never going to be used again. And you're counting different things as parents. Uh, maybe you're, you're counting the, the days in which how many more days there are until your kids go back to school. Or, or if your in-laws are town, you know, like maybe you've made one of those like paper ring chains with, until your in-laws leave. And if, I'm sorry, if you're sitting next to your in-laws, just eyes here. Don't, no nudging, no. Sorry about that. Um, maybe you're counting calories or counting belt holes that you have left, or, you know, that, that you have to work with on that belt before you need another one or, uh, pairs of pants that you have that still fit after Christmas, or if you're a college student or a high school student, you're, what you're counting is you're counting the days you have left to sleep till noon. <laughs> like it's, you're just, you can't wait or to, to get to bed. Um, or maybe if you're, you're uh, graduating soon, you're counting down the months, the weeks, the days till graduation. Um, maybe you're a business owner, and, and like most, like a lot of business owners, this time of year means inventory. Counting inventory so that you can uh, report that, or maybe you're the maybe you're the CFO of your family, and you have you have to take care of the finances. And now Christmas is over, and you've got the damage report, and you're trying to assess what we need to do next as a family, who I need to yell at and whip into shape. And so you're counting the dollars that you do or don't have. Um, maybe you're one of those goal setters, and New Year's re- you know, resolutions are right around the corner, and you're reflecting back and counting. 2014 and maybe thinking about how you might make 2015 better. Whatever the case may be, um, we, we, it's generally a time of year where we count life. We kind of look around and take stock of life in silly ways or serious, literally, figuratively, whatever. Uh, this is just something that naturally happens. We, we stop and maybe we count what we have in life um, or, or what, what we want in life. It just naturally happens this time of year. Um, even if you're not one of those, like you say, yeah, I'm not really counting anything or I've never really considered myself a goal setter. That's all right. At some point in time, I guarantee that you have reflected on life. At some point in time, you stopped and thought, you know, uh, is this all there is? Or Because you know, we all do. We just kind of all do that at life. Um, I know that I do in a couple different ways. I know once a week, I guarantee this happens every week. I get so flustered and so like uh, confused by what's going on. There's, there's, you know, I've got, I'm carrying things. I, I, I feel like in life I just carry things around from my, mainly from my truck to my house because I take care of the kids a lot right now. And I'm carrying toys and I'm carrying 
dirty underwear and there's something attached to my leg and I'm trying to get better at putting things away, but I'm really bad at it. I'm trying to be efficient in putting things away. So I'm like, oh, that's closer. No, that's closer. And I end up just walking around a circle. I swear my family's just looking at me. I'm there on the couch just watching dad walk around in a circle. And and literally, I, I kid you not, this happens every week. There's a point in time in the week where it's, I'm so flustered that I just, I literally, I'll say this phrase. I said, what are my goals in life? What, what, what is my purpose in life? What am I doing in life right now? Because it's, it's, it's a type of reflection. But on a more serious note, there have been periods in my life, seasons in my life, where I, I lost sleep. I, I was up at night, laying in bed, kind of just staring at the ceiling and, and wondering, is there more? Is this it? Am I on the right track? And I'm reflecting on life. Maybe you've done the same. Maybe you've had... Similar moments, maybe after something happens to you, or you, you, you got caught doing something, or you, you know, whatever the case may be, I think we all have moments of counting. I think God really likes this. I think, I think God actually really likes this time of year where a lot of people stop and reflect. I mean, think about it from his point of view, okay? So, so if God is the creator of the universe, and he created this awesome, I mean, this, I mean, you've ever, you stop, we stop and think about how awesome he, what he created was. But even as awesome as what we see around us is, if we, if Genesis got it right, Genesis 2 and 3 talks about how we as humans, when he got to creating us, things were a little bit different. Everything else was good. But things were a little bit different for us. And it's not just because we're the, the, the pinnacle creature of intelligence or because we have thumbs. I honestly, the, 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 what, what Genesis says sets us apart, and we could talk a long time, time about this, and we're just going to briefly touch it over today, is that we were created in God's image. So, so, and, and here's, here's what I think, at least for our purposes today, what this means is that God likes His creation. He likes what He's made. He loves seeing the elk too. He likes, you know, snowy mornings and, and all the things that we love about living in the mountains. He likes that too. But what gets Him going is watching His creation and specifically His image bearers. That what he's really focused on, and I think I, actually all of heaven is kind of focused on, is his image bearers. And it's kind of like this. The day that you and I were born, it was almost like God handed us one of these. This is what I think image of God kind of it means, at least briefly. He gave us a jar of life. And in this jar, there's all sorts of things. There's, there's a certain amount of time, a certain amount of health. There's a personality. There's your family. Your family's in there too. Everything, everything that we've been given, everything that makes us us was handed to us on that day. And I look at mine, say, say, so say this is mine. I say, God, but there's not that many bills. There's more change, a lot more change. And I think that's a peso. And that one has, definitely has a hole in it. Yep, that's a washer. Yep. And, and, and he's like, yeah, I put some washers in there too. And, 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 and I'm like, God, this is, but it kind of looks half empty. And he's like, funny, I thought it was half full. You know, like he looks at our lives and he's saying, I know I could have given you more. But I kind of, I feel like he, he, when we're born, he gives us this life and then he steps back and he's just dying to see what we're going to do with that one and only life. How we're going to spend it. And I think all of, all of heaven is kind of up there watching and saying, look, look at these things called humans that are made in the image of God that have the ability to spend their life one way or another. What are they going to do? 
It's like the, the best movie ever in heaven. And see, this is why I think God likes it when we stop and we think about life. He likes it when we stop and we think about what are we going to do? What are you going to do with your one and only life? I want us to look at a passage today out of the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to it. If not, it's going to be right here up on the screen. The book of Matthew, you can take that off right now, actually. Um, We call it the book of Matthew. It's really not a book. It's actually a historical account of the life of Jesus. This, this, and it was written by a guy named Matthew. Yeah, they were really creative back then. But they, uh, so they, they, this book, the name of this book is Matthew, and this guy who wrote it is, um, I'm actually kind of fascinated by this guy because he was the type of guy who should write a historical document about Jesus because he spent the, the, the three years of, with Jesus that are the most important. He got to see all sorts of miracles. He also got to see Jesus die and then got to see the resurrected Lord. He's like, yeah, I touched him. You're like, I, I saw him. I hung out with him after I watched him die. And so he's like, I need to write about this. But you know what makes, I think, really interesting and why I, I really like the author Matthew is because he's the type of story, his personal story is kind of fascinating. See, Matthew was a type, he was a guy who was very much outside of religion. He was Jewish, he was born Jewish, but he was kicked out of the Jewish religion one way or another. He was definitely not part, he could not go to synagogue, he could not come to church, basically. And the reason why was he was a tax collector. So here's a guy, and and, and it's it's hard to describe exactly, but I think this sums it up pretty well. A tax collector back in those days was looked at the same way we would look at a guy who sells drugs to middle school students. Like, that's pretty much how they looked at him. He was an outsider. He was an outcast. And what's cool about Matthew's story is the the day he met Jesus, he was sitting at a table doing tax collecting, doing the shady business, the very business that got him kicked out of faith. And Jesus walks up to him and says, Hey, come follow me. I mean, just, and people are probably like, What? And I think actually the most fascinating thing about that interchange is the fact that, G- that Matthew, someone who's no one like, nothing like Jesus, actually said, okay. And he followed him. And that's where we get this book. Isn't that kind of cool? You need to read your Bibles. It's, they're really interesting. The, so this, this guy, Matthew, writes this, and, I, and, and he writes in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, and this, this is about the rich young ruler. Some of you are familiar with this story. Uh, the rich young ruler. This is about a guy who had it all together, who from the outside people would envy or look up to. Um, let's just call him dark and handsome too. Rich, young, dark and handsome. Let's just throw that on there. So rich, young, dark and handsome walk, came up to Jesus and asked, Hey teacher, what good thing must I get do to get eternal life? Now this happened all the time. Jesus, one of the things, if you've, re- if you've read the Gospels, one of the fascinating things about Jesus is... All the different types of people who come up to him and talk to him on every, all across the spectrum, from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high. Today's the highest of the high. And he comes up and he asks a question. I think it's a pretty good question. It's a good, it's a good one. Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? This man is a man who wants more out of life. 
He's, he's saying, hey, and specifically, I want more out of this life, but like, let's talk about like eternity. How do I get that? And Jesus says something. It's kind of interesting. Jesus replies uh, in, in verse 17, Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. And I think what Jesus is saying is, like, okay, you're saying, what good thing must I do? But let's define good. Do you know how, like, with your kids, it, you know, there's a difference between what they think is good and what you think is good? You know, you know how, like, there's a difference between what being good in prison is versus being good at your work? Jesus is like, hey, okay, there's a difference in life of good. Are we talking about how humans think are good? Or, he says, are we thinking about there's only one with a capital O, God, who is good? Who, which standard are we using? But he, and then he just kind of keeps going. He says, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquires. And Jesus replies, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Which ones do I need to keep? So Jesus throws at him half of the Ten Commandments, and then another one, just love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you must do. And if you can keep all of those, then you can have eternal life. You'll live forever. Amen. The next thing the man says is pretty, pretty, actually, it's extremely arrogant. And it's kind of interesting because after he said this, the next thing, he says something else that's extremely humble, extremely vulnerable. vulnerable. Let's look at it. At, at the reply of Jesus saying, do all these commandments, he says this, all these I have kept. Okay, and I can picture if I, like, I can picture, like, let's say Matthew, is he's, you know, Jesus is here, Matthew's here, the young man's over there, and Matthew kind of cuts in front of Jesus, he's like, um, time out here, Jesus, I'll take this one, okay, pulls the young, the rich young man aside, he says, okay, um, now, I, I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but we've had this experience where we think that Jesus actually knows what's going on inside in our hearts and our minds, it's super trippy. Like, like literally Peter tried that whole thing once, like that he had kept all the commandments. It didn't end well for Peter. So if, I, if I were you, I would just lay down your cards, stop playing the games, because Jesus, I don't, again, I don't know how, but he knows everything that's going inside your heart. Okay, time in. Like, like, it, he says, what, I have kept all of these commandments. And the disciples know they haven't, that he hasn't kept all the commandments. Jesus, who knows, who knows the heart of men, it says in the Gospels, knows he hasn't kept the commandments. But then I think what's so interesting is the next thing that this man says. He says something really arrogant, and then he says something really, really vulnerable. He says, the man, young man said, what do I still lack? See, what he's doing in that moment is he's admitting there's something missing. Yeah, yeah, I, I have done, I'm actually a really good person. I've done a lot of good things. I've kept the law, and yet I still have those moments where I stare at the ceiling at night wondering if this is it. Wondering if there's more to life. He's had probably more than one of those moments to the point where it drove him to seek out Jesus to ask about real life. And he says something really vulnerable. In the book of Mark, in this this account, this is the same story. Mark tells the same story. And the next line, after the man says, what, still I, what do I still lack? 
there's a line in Mark that I love. It says, Jesus looked at the man and he loved him. Isn't that cool? Now, that's not what I would have said. If I was Jesus and I knew the hearts of men, it would read something like, Jesus looked at the man and shoved him. Like, seriously, how can you be so arrogant? You didn't, yeah. Let's talk about your mother-in-law. Let's talk about what you did yesterday. Here's the list. Da, 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 da. And then the man would be like, oh, you know, that's what I would have done if I was Jesus, but not, not Jesus. Jesus looked at the man and he loved him. And I think that's how Jesus looks at us when we come to him like this, like an encounter with him. He sees our mess. He sees that on one side we have this pride, this arrogance, and some of it's, yeah, it's true. We've done some good things. And then on the other side of us is this, we're just complex creatures, aren't we? But we're the creation. We're the ones with the image of God, and He loves us. But I also think that when Jesus said that He loved the man, it also means He loved what was going on inside the man's heart at that moment. Does that make sense? Like, He looked at, He said, I see this turmoil. I see that you've got some things going for your life, but you want more, and I love that. I think God loves a little bit of holy discontentment in our lives. You know, like, like when we, when we think about life and, and we're like, is this it? Like, yeah, I love my kids and, but I, I really, is this all there is? I think God is, I think that's holy ground. Jesus loved this moment. And then the next thing that Jesus said, oh my goodness, had to have surprised everybody who is there. Jesus then says, this is in verse um, 21. Jesus answers, if you want to be perfect, that is, if you want to have that eternal life, if you want to have more, if you want more out of life, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions. And give to the poor. And then you'll, you'll have treasures in heaven. And then after you're done with that, then come follow me. So I think it's pretty clear what we need to do this morning. I need all of you to go leave today, sell everything you have, and give it to the poor. No, scratch that. Give it to me and I'll make sure it gets to the poor. <laughs> no, see, this is so outlandish. And, and what's crazy is Jesus, this was not Jesus' M.O., this is not what Jesus normally did. In fact, Matthew, of all people, had to be the most surprised by that. You remember Matthew's story? Matthew was sitting at a tax collector's table, and Jesus walked up to him and didn't say, Hey, Matthew, get your crap together, and then maybe you can come follow me. Stop doing what... You're sinning right now. I'm watching you sin. Stop it, and then come follow me. He says, No, come follow me as you are right there. And then, and then... A rich young man who really has the best of intentions walks up to Jesus and says, what do I need to do? And Jesus completely ruins this come to Jesus moment. <laughs> like, and I can imagine the disciples are like, well, you gotta, you gotta ease them into that, Jesus. And I think the reason why Jesus was so upfront and asked so much, go sell all your possessions, was he knew what those possessions he knew the hold that those possessions had in the man's heart. He knew that that was probably the number one hurdle that, that, that was keeping him from the abundant life that he wanted and that God wanted for him. And so he asks the hard question. He looks at the man and out of love for him says, go sell 
everything you have. You, you go, go, go dump this out and then come follow me. Let's read what happens next. Verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. This is so sad to me. Here's, a, here's a, I mean, this picture. Here's a good man who's, who's smart. And he's honest enough to know that he, he, there's more to life than what he's got. And he's got a lot, right? He knows there's more to life. And not, not only that, he doesn't just stop there. He's willing to go and seek out this master who Jesus, you know, he was known as a master who talked about life and abundant life and eternal life. He's like, I am going to ask him. I'm going to go find him. And I want to figure this out. I want to get to the bottom of this. And he does. He has this encounter with Jesus. And at the end of the encounter, he still is walking away from God instead of toward him. It's so sad. And see, it's from this, that interchange and that, that last passage that I, I, I kind of stumbled across this insight that I wrote down this week as I was preparing for this. And it's this, it's so important. I think what we can learn from, from the rich young man is when it comes to finding fulfillment in life, Good intentions are not enough. When it comes to finding more in life, we cannot just lean on our good intentions. I mean, try to, try to find me a man or a woman who had better intentions than this guy. Not only that, had had the, the life to back it up. If there's anybody in life who could find fulfillment, people would probably would have pointed to a guy like that. And he's got good intentions. He goes the extra mile. He goes and finds Jesus. And what we learn is from him, and this is possible in our lives, that it's possible to, to have the best intentions, encounter Jesus, and still walk away from him. Oh, that scares me. Uh, it's, I find from that, that passage, I think what we can learn is, is we can walk away from the one thing that actually will fulfill us in life. I mean, and think about this. This is pretty simple. What's going to fulfill the creation better than the Creator? Right? I mean, if, if we are a glove and we're looking for purpose in life, what, what brings purpose to a glove better than the hand? See, fulfillment, what we're longing for, will only come when we're close to God, that we're walking side by side with Him, hand in hand, and going through life with Him. That's the fulfilling life. Why? Because He's the Creator and we're the creation. That's where fulfillment is. And, and what's so scary with this guy's story, and what tears me up every time I read it, literally, I've read this story before, and I just... I'm rooting for the guy. I want him to follow Jesus. And then every time I read it, I'm like, I wonder if it's changed. <laughs> it always ends the same. Good intentions are not enough when it comes to trying to find a fulfilling life. We can get so close. We can encounter Jesus and still walk away. And, and I want to tell you why I think why that happened to him and to us. I think it has everything to do with expectations. 
See, I think this guy came to Jesus, kind of like we do sometimes maybe. And, and, and he's like, yeah, I know that there's not, I'm missing something, but my guess would be, you know, talking for the guy, if I, you know, I'll go lay my life before Jesus, and I bet you he'll do this. This bump. Oh wow! Hey, you've done really. Look, I like what you, I like what you've spent your your one and only life on. If only I could get my disciples to be more like you. Would you follow me? And and you know you know and, and there's a couple things you can do. Like spend a couple coins here, give give some to the poor. A little couple little tweaks in life, and see what really threw this guy off is he never expected Jesus to say, "If you want to have life, pour it all out." He was expecting for tweaks for Jesus to say, just tweak your life a little bit. And Jesus said, now you need an overhaul. And I've experienced this all the time actually with mechanics. One time we had a car that was making some funny sounds when I was shifting. And, And so I was like, I better, after like a month, I was like, I better take this in. And honestly, I remember waiting for the mechanic. I was like, yeah, a couple hundred bucks, 200 bucks, something like that. He comes walking back and I was like, yeah, so what do you, what do you think? Do I need like an oil change or an oil change? I don't know anything about cars. So he's, and he's like, oh no. He's like, it's way worse than that. Your transmission is out. We need to rebuild the engine. I said, that sounds expensive. He said, yeah, it's going to be a couple grand. When you're expecting to pay 50 to a hundred dollars and you're asked to pay thousands, it usually doesn't go well. Right? And I wonder if our encounters with Jesus can be kind of the same. Is, is some of us have encounters, we have moments in our lives, in that moment in life where we're, we're walking through life and we're, if, we're, if, we're, if we finally count, we're like, okay, so where am I at in life? I'm counting life and, and, and we, we have the best of intentions. We want more out of life and we actually turn to God. We go to church. We, we start to pray. And then God says, um... Yeah, it's not about tweaks. Can I overhaul? And it sends us away from Him as opposed to towards Him. See, here's what... I I need you to know this. You need to know this. If you're going to come to God, if your heart is open to connecting with God, and you've had those moments... You know, where you're kind of reflecting on life and you turn to God. And you should. I mean, come on. The creation should turn to the Creator, right? You need to know. You need to know there will be a time, there will come a time where God will ask you for not just a coin here or a coin there. He's going to ask you for it all. You need to know that, that if you're following the Creator and seeking Him, there's going to come a time where He's going to say, the best thing for you is not a tweak. It's an overhaul. And come on, this, this makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if there's anything, I think we're, we're, we're stingy. We want to keep things to ourselves. We're not quite sure. We don't trust God. The young ruler didn't trust Jesus enough. He's like, I don't think it'll be better over there. And we get stingy, but this is so foolish. Like, what would there, what's better to spend our life on in this world than, than getting to know the Creator? You know? If there's anything worth dumping this out, it's seeking this amazing God. And another aspect to it is, is, is 
Another reason why this, this makes sense to me that he would ask us to pour it out is imagine if you're going through life and you have one of those moments and you're like, I think there's more to it. You turn to God, you go to, you drive your car to the mechanic and the mechanic looks at your car and he says, man, you need an overhaul. But he says, nah, really all you need is an oil change. Like that's not love. That's not care. If God is a loving heavenly father, he's going to say, can I overhaul? That's what we should expect him to say. And so this is my challenge for you today. Two questions. The first one's pretty simple. Have you ever actually asked God to overhaul your life? Have you had a moment in time where you, you, you just said, you just did this? You said, okay, this is yours. This is yours. And I, gosh, it's so, I, God's response to that is so awesome. Like again, he's up there, he's watching his creation. And when one of them decides, I'm going to spend my life on you, he's like, yes, that's what it means to be created in my image. That, that now the fun can begin. And I know, I know, it, it, honestly, I've stood on those precipices where I was, I was called to pour out. And it's scary. But it's better over here. It's better on the other side. Once you jump. Have you ever asked God to overhaul your life? If you don't know the answer to that, I can't think of a better thing for you to do on a Sunday afternoon than carve a little bit of time and just spend some time with the Father. Talk about it. It might sound like you're talking to yourself, and that's okay. But try it. The second question is this. If you have had an overhaul experience, like, yeah, you know, I, there was back in 1976, I, I wasn't quite sure about church, but I went to church that Sunday, and the, it was like the preacher was speaking to me. I even raised my hand. I said a prayer. My life changed. That's awesome. Or, you know, maybe your story's in the 80s. I married this, this girl, and I, she loved God, and I liked her. So, like, I just started, you know, and one thing led to another. And now, like, I pray. I, I read the Bible, and I'm following him. Or, you know, there was this Christian once that, that uh, he was actually a Christian. And I, it's, for the first time, I started thinking about faith. And then there was this one time. It, it, you might have an overhaul story, and that's awesome. If that's you, here's my question for you this morning. Is it time to one-up again? Is it time to take this and count it and say and, and, and ask yourself, am I throwing pennies at God or am I pouring it out? Because it's just natural. I do it all the time. I, that's, that's why I like church. It's every week. <laughs> it gives me a chance to one-up with God and say, oh, that's right, I've been taking this for myself all week. Here it is again. Is God calling you? to something that's scary? Is He calling you to, to love in such a way that it will cost you? To serve in such a way that it will cost you? You need to spend some time. Carve out some time today. Don't let today pass. And ask God to say, how am I spending my life? Here's what's cool about our God. Now wrap up with this. Is he will ask us to pour out our lives, and I know that's scary, but it's so good. But he, what's so cool about our God 
is he doesn't ask us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. If you know the story of Jesus, I think what would be, it was hard maybe for Jesus in that moment with the, the rich young man walking away from Jesus. He's like, man, you don't understand. I came here, I'm asking you to pour out your life, but I came here for the purpose of pouring out my life for you. He came to pour out his life for the rich young ruler, for everybody in the first century and everybody in the 21st century. He came to pour out his life for you and me. And that's what he's asking us to do likewise. He poured out everything so we could have it all. And he's never asked us to do anything he wasn't willing to do himself. That's our God. That's the Creator. Let me say a prayer for us. Lord, I thank You for these words. I thank You for Matthew and his story and um, for writing it down. We can read it 2,000 years later and still have meaning. God, I thank You for um, our one and only life. I thank You for moments in time where we slow down enough to actually think about that life too. So Lord, would You be with us? Would you make that time happen today? Would you prompt our hearts and pull us away or cause a miracle for our families to calm down enough to where we can have time for ourselves? Lord, would you make that happen? And in those times, Lord, would you help us not to do what the rich young man did, to walk away from you, but to walk toward you? And Lord, you know the stories. You know, you know there, there's people here who, who, who are far from you. And I'm thinking, I think you're excited about being close to them. So would you meet them where they are? Would you meet me where I am? And Lord, there's so much I get confused on. There's so much that I don't spend wisely of my life chasing goodness, missing out on you. Would you help me? Lord, um, would you help us to trust you, Father? We trust you, we trust you. Um, Trust you with our lives because you're the creator and we are the creation. Thank you for that. Amen.